0: keys Mike. Chevy Chase.
1: Hey you just passed the Garden State Parkway South.
0: Don't worry I'll get you there. Demi Moore. Oh no cop. Driver step outside the car please. John Candy. Read him.
2: Yeah that's nice thanks. Lower back please. I got an itch right up in there. It's good thank you. Not today sir. This may be Valconvania, but it is still America. Wouldn't mind would you just write a ticket here or we could settle it some other way, perhaps. That's not the way things work around here. What is this place? Revolving District Court for the village and shire of Vulcanvania is now in order. The Honorable Reeve, Alvin Vulcanizer, presides.
0: Dan Aykroyd.
2: Put out that dog rocket!
0: Nothing but trouble.
2: Oh, so sorry. Hey, you know, you and I ought to spend a little more time together. I'd like that. Would you?
0: Welcome
1: to The Last Resort. You look pretty this evening, sister. Doing something
2: different with your hair?
0: <laughs> Where something's always
2: cooking. How about a nice Hawaiian pun? Uh, here's some good friends. Okay, let's eat. Where someone's always shaking.
1: And anything's better than house policy.
2: What's house policy? But whenever man touches her, is the one she keeps. What? All they wanted... Oh, no, wait a minute. I just went through a damn stoplight.
1: ...was a little getaway. I knew the two of you would make a perfect couple.
2: You make this surprise. No, not in front of all these people, Your Honor. Mm-hmm. Now. All they got was...
1: Nothing But Trouble. <laughs>
0: welcome to they call this a movie testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time subscribe to the podcast and itunes and other podcast services by searching they call this a movie we are part of the main damie network and to find more from us check out the website of the main or on twitter facebook and instagram at the main damie we're also now a proud member of geek fives nation you can find them at gvnation.com welcome back to they call this a movie this is anthony delvecchio with me as always is dan aquino and mark meyer say hello gentlemen hey how's it going
2: Guys, do you ever think we'll get to the point where we can write something and people will just make it without asking any questions?
3: Mm, no.
1: No? Okay. <laughs> Not in this Hollywood system. system.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you got
0: to write Ghostbusters first, and then okay. then they okay. give you carte blanche. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, make this insane
2: movie. <laughs> That's the only thing I was thinking in this whole movie. Yeah, it was just if anybody else brought this to a studio, they would just laugh it off. Yeah.
0: Mm, Yeah, but when you look at the budget numbers, they ain't laughing. No. But before we get into this week's movie, gentlemen, what did you watch this week? I watched. That's a good question.
3: Oh, I've been watching every week. (laughs) Yep. I've 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 been binge watching Scrubs. Do you remember that show?
0: I loved Scrubs. Yeah,
3: I I love certain characters in Scrubs. Like I love John C McGinley. Yep. I think he's awesome. And uh, Ted.
0: That's great too. Ted,
3: yeah. I he passed away, right? The character, the actor who plays him.
0: Yes.
2: Is he, that the surgeon.
0: No, no, no. That's the, the, lawyer. the,
2: lawyer. the lawyer. You're thinking okay. of Todd. Uh, Todd. Yes, the Todd. Yeah, I was I was Todd for Halloween. <laughs> oh, really? I don't know if you remember? That. Did you, Did
3: you rock the banana hammock? <laughs> uh,
2: no, I had the I I did the sleeveless scrub and the the fire. I bought that online. The fire bandana.
3: That's a good. That's a good. And
2: awesome. had 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 one of the um people with the uh newspaper draw the tattoos on me
3: <laughs> give everyone a high five yeah that's awesome todd's fine in small doses but yeah ted ted might be my favorite just because he, he's so spineless yeah he's great john c mcginley i forgot that john c mcginley has been in some like powerhouse movies yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, platoon i
3: think was like his first big role yeah yeah he was he was great in that i think he was in uh wall street i think so sounds about right yeah, he's been in some like he's been in big movies and I don't know if he's still like around. Like, I know he's alive, but I don't know if he's still around.
2: Not for long. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what
3: he's doing. I haven't seen him in anything recently. If John C McGinley dies after this, I'm not doing the podcast anymore. <laughs> we have a curse. Yes. That's all you haven't watched a
0: movie. It's okay
3: to say no cuz I haven't either. No, I no, just been binge watching scrubs. What about you, Mark?
2: Yeah, so the only fun thing I did this week, and I'll be real quick about it, to surprise of no one on this podcast, I've been listening to that new OC podcast that Rachel Bilson and Melinda Clark are doing. The fun thing that I'm probably the only one that actually listens to that, is more interested in, is all the insider Hollywood stuff that they talk about. Like Josh Schwartz talks about a whole thing about pilot season Mm -hmm. and the rush to that and that whole thing and Bibles and stuff like that. And then the casting director on the second episode and they just talk about all the casting decisions and who they brought in to audition and all that. That's the stuff I love. And then they go into the episode. I'm like, oh, okay. I've seen these a dozen times. So, But the first half of all of the two episodes so far have been very interesting. And if you like any of that insider stuff, it's really fascinating. To As honest as I think somebody would be as a creator talking about his first creation, Josh Schwartz was in that first episode in terms of the crunch they had to do you know, had it late in the fall instead of the summer for pilot season, so everything was condensed and needing to get it on before the World Series and all that insider stuff. So it's pretty interesting if you're either a fan of the OC or would or, or like to hear that stuff. I've been listening to that and then rewatching the episodes as they go. Just uh, HBO keeps my money for a little bit, so I don't have to dig out the DVD.
0: Gotcha. As for me, I can't think of a single thing I watched. We watched half of the
2: Dora the Explorer movie.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> it was fine. It's obviously not my demographic that, I, that it's playing to, but it was fine. Michael Pena's in it. Who doesn't love Michael Pena? Oh, yeah. That's about it. I, For the first time in this house, I set up my PlayStation. So I've been playing a little bit of that. And then I'm also guesting on the Game Vault pod because of some untoward comments someone has made about... All-time classic video games, so I had to actually wind up going back and playing those as well. So that's been my time has been trying to research in order to take someone's ass to school, basically.
2: Yeah, it, it'll be it'll be fun for the podcast.
0: <laughs> that podcast is already out by the time you hear this, actually. So go yeah. check out the Game Vault's latest episode where we also talk about frame rates and fidelity. I don't know what either of those mean. I didn't realize you had to choose one or the other. It's going to be fun.
3: I didn't yeah. know what Fidelity was either. Uh,
2: just graphics. I had a oh, look at okay. it yeah. <laughs> It's performance versus graphics, essentially, is what that is. Should have
3: just said that, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a nerd.
2: Yeah.
0: He needed that, uh, the
2: FF, the alliteration.
0: Yep. That's what it was.
3: We all know Tom, and that's
0: his
2: that's his shtick. Yeah. To be honest, uh, I would have chosen something like that, too, because saying alliterations are something that sounds cool, yeah. you know. Um, yeah.
0: The only other thing I've been diving into has been... I've been listening to a podcast. I've been listening to Dimension 20's Fantasy High D&D podcast, which is a lot of fun. Yes, Uh, it is. I fell off Critical Role a long time ago when I didn't have a three-hour commute anymore. It's nice to get back into one that is 18-episode stories. So Nice and easy, which I'm having a lot of fun with that one. That's a, that one's a good one.
2: Yeah, and as I keep saying, to, I, I, I mentioned to Dan, and, and you're finding out, is that a lot of these people are former UCB people, so the, the improv and the scenes between them don't go as deep into super serious and cringe sometimes. Yeah. It's a, lot, it's a lot of, to use a term I probably use a lot on here, there's a lot of yes-handing, and sometimes you can tell when a joke sort of starts dying out, and mm-hmm. then they just let it go. It's good. And that's, that's all I've
0: been kind of doing, really, that is any interest. You guys want to hear about me mowing the lawn? I don't think you do. Or <laughs> all the sticks that I got rid of this week. I was just doing that. Yeah, our stick guy came this week. I was very excited. It was a huge stick pile. <laughs> How fun is that, right? We did that with our leaves, and they bring
3: over a fucking truck, and they, a it's a vacuum. Yeah. Yep. Well, wonders never cease. I didn't know that they did that. Home ownership, man, it's crazy. Man, it's really. No one prepared me for that.
2: <laughs> did, did you make the truck go Hong Kong when it showed up, Dan? <laughs> no, unfortunately
3: <laughs> not. I, I was getting ready for work and he
0: passed by and I didn't. Maybe next time. Next time I will. <laughs> I didn't ask my guy that either, but when he, because my office window looks right out to where the the stick pile was, so when the truck came, I kind of like ran into the other room to tell my wife, they're here. They're <laughs> <laughs> showing up. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that is that is adorable and sad at the same time Because it was like two days late, they are supposed to come on Monday And then they didn't come until Wednesday, and I was like, oh my god, finally <laughs> Well, we've
3: also reached like our mid-30s So yeah. we're settling into just being like super lame white dudes yes. now
0: And I kind of feel like the pandemic expedited that Yes, big time <laughs> Like we're really into homebody stuff now
3: Oh, yeah. And if I could stay home and clean, I would much rather do that than go anywhere. <laughs> I, I look for excuses like, oh, you know, I really do want to see my friend, but dishes aren't going to clean themselves. <laughs> like, but we have a dishwasher. No, I'll do it. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll hand wash it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I'll have lawn shoes. I <laughs> gotta shoes. get, get the, uh, the new balances, dude. <laughs> it's there. Those, that's exactly what they are. Yep, there it is. <laughs> You, we've entered full dad mode yep just without the uh without the kid the, the crushing <laughs> defeat of fatherhood
2: <laughs> oh. oh wow
0: yeah that's, that's so dark but it's true he's not wrong <laughs> prove me wrong guys prove me wrong i guess that's all we have for our little uh, opening so we are going to take a quick break and listen to some ads so we can pay you those bills until we go to the moon but we'll be right back And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week was Dan's pick. Dan, why don't you introduce this week's movie? Okay, so it was my
3: pick, but we took a request from a good friend of ours, and they requested the movie Nothing But Trouble from 1991, which sports a pretty stellar cast, if I may say so. And I'm sure you guys would agree. Yep. And I hate this movie. It's what, <laughs> it's what people would call in the business, not good. <laughs> oh, you got you care to
0: elaborate? Uh, um, hmm,
3: sure. I got to reach out to our friend and let them know. And, you know, they'll hear it on the podcast, but I, I want to tell them in person that they successfully found a movie where I did not laugh once. I did not crack a smile. I was dead inside while I watched this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, okay. It's just, uh, it's pitiful. That's a good
2: word for it. <laughs> it's a pitiful movie. Sure, uh, Mark. What about you? Where are you coming from with nothing but? Yeah. Trouble? So I, I never heard of this movie beforehand. I kept telling people I was watching Nothing to Lose, which may have been a better movie. Do not this. pick
0: Nothing to Lose. Let's not. Let's never figure that one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, I won't. Yeah. So I, I alluded to it in my, in the open. Yeah. It just really felt like a movie that a bunch of friends wrote or in basically was but in Dan Aykroyd's case it feels like it was his brother came up with a story he wrote the script and they got somebody to fund it is what this entire movie felt like it was incomprehensible in terms of what they were actually going for I have no idea what was up with Demi Moore's character at all in this movie outside of being smoking hot early 90s Demi Moore but yeah and the one thing that bothered me and this is shows you how much, as you guys know me, that I didn't enjoy this movie or care too much. whole time I wanted to know who that one character actor was that played like the foreign. Oh, husband. Taylor Negron? Okay. And uh, I was like, I know him from a lot of stuff. I'm not going to the IMDb. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, not worth just, it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Um, and the whole time I was waiting for Brian Doyle Murray to show up and then he's in the end. So, First, you know, like everything. Eight that, seconds. Yeah. And for everything this movie could have presented, it's it's the worst parts of Chevy Chase. It's the, it's the most batshit stuff from the mind of Dan Aykroyd, and it doesn't work at all. It just feels like a lot of them got a paycheck and Demi Moore had some time off and decided to do this because I don't know how this got produced without going deep dive into actually who funded this movie, you know, <laughs> and just being like, oh, okay, I see why. Dan Aykroyd was just like I had this script and like, yeah, here's whatever, and you're gonna tell us the amount soon, and it'll probably astonish us. But yeah, it just felt like the ultimate I need my friends to get some money. We and we had nothing to do for two weeks. Okay. So I have
0: heard of this movie. I've heard it's terrible. And I remember like back this is another one of those VHS rental movie posters I vaguely remember. And I didn't really know anything about this movie until until I became an adult, know how shitty it is. And horror comedy is hard, guys. There, it is a it is a tightrope to walk, and this one falls right off the tightrope immediately. <laughs> For every Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland, there is probably a thousand nothing but troubles. This was a chore to sit through i had no fun i will give credit the production design looks like people were having fun making things you know yeah. like the like it seemed like the crew had a really good time on this set that's the reason why they went over budget because dan Aykroyd couldn't say no <laughs> 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 it's it's like yo- it's yoga hosers is what um, it is yeah, yeah that's I a good point it's so good Comparison. And it's also probably where the designs for the Bratzies came from—these oh, sweaty man. diaper babies in this movie. Every time you think this movie is is hit its low point, it introduces something else that makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's Dan Aykroyd as the old man, and then introducing that he has a penis nose, and then <laughs> oh, I forgot about yes, that. <laughs> then the uh, the bone stripper and then you know John Candy and Drag and then the female cop was my least favorite <laughs> yeah i didn't understand
3: that character like what what was going on there what was she just was
0: she a cop or was she more she was so it's like everybody's related in this town apparently cuz she's a cousin she's John Candy cop's cousin okay so and John Candy is the grandson of the judge yeah so yeah, I I man well first of all whenever Taylor Negron
3: however uh, Negron ta- yeah whenever he and his sister had lines my brain shut off sure because it it might as well have just been a high pitched squeal from what yep. the, like I it, I couldn't understand what they were saying it wasn't funny the character designs were just downright terrible I thought. You have John Candy in drag who doesn't say a word. So it's just meant for laughs. Mm. But it, it would have been funnier if he spoke, I thought, as sure. as a, as the female uh, Eldona. Right. Eldona.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh, man, it's it's kind of mean spirited too. this movie. like, I don't understand Chevy Chase's character. Is he a good guy? Is he a jerk? I mean,
0: is, I think it's hard for Chevy Chase to show being a good guy yes. outside of, like, yeah. Christmas Vacation. If he's not uh, playing Clark Griswold. He doesn't really know how to not be an asshole.
3: Yeah, I, but, like, the beginning of the movie kind of kind of frames him as this, like, this nice guy. You know, he, he treats people, he treats the uh, the the doorman well. He treats Demi Moore well. I don't know if that's because he wants to get into her pants or not, but whatever.
0: whatever. Surely.
3: Yeah, <laughs> But he seems like he's an okay guy, and then all of a sudden it's like he's uh, drag racing cops. Right. Where Where did this come from? Like, what are the What is the point of these characters?
0: Right. What are they?
3: And I He'll will say,
0: say, there's only one moment from the foreign twin, the heirs, as they call them, that I disagree with you in terms of their words. It's when he goads Chevy Chase into racing the cop. Okay. Just for whatever I like the the energy that he brings to that. To yeah. That moment where you're just like you don't have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's a local cop just draw, just chase him until you're out of the jurisdiction. <laughs> oh, I, that's when he's like just, just go for it man. Just go for it. Turn left here.
3: Turn left here. <sighs> but it, I like why? Is it because they're millionaires?
0: Like, yeah, what's awesome. the what's the point? Yeah. I don't know what the point of this movie is.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah I, it just feels like i think a piece of this movie now they would make it any better or anything at all but maybe a piece of this movie is stuck from it like stuck in time like maybe there's sort of slight cultural references of the early 90s they're making in terms of you know the new york city culture or whatever that they're commenting on but being really bad about it that we're just not getting because we were collectively four to six years old or however old right. we were when this movie came out that's the only thing i could think of I don't know, and, and and you can tell me where you thought it fell off the tightrope in terms of comedy. Was it the whole shtick where he had the cigar in his mouth the entire opening, walking into the lobby, or when Demi Moore just started crying for no reason in the elevator?
0: The, for whatever <laughs> reason, the cigar was something that I noticed. It felt like he was doing a Letterman thing. Yeah. Like, because Letterman's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and he would have been big around, like, with the... the The cigar around this point. Yeah, that struck me as uncomfortable for whatever reason. And then she starts crying. Like, she seems like she's trying in this movie. She's fresh off Ghost, by the way. So, like, her big break was the movie before this one. So, I feel bad for her in a way. But, yeah. Oof. I I hate Chevy Chase in this. I I think a better... I don't even know who would be better in that role nobody uh, i don't know yeah, i don't it's think it's still just... murray that's who i was thinking of i don't even know if he would he can make this work i think there needs to be a little more of an affable character actor in there you know someone a little more likable like if dan Aykroyd had leading man looks yeah
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe like well he, jeff goldblum's not a character actor But he's very affable. He's, you know, everyone loves Jeff Goldblum. I don't know. I just, I think Mark is right. This was kind of like pre-Adam Sandler just giving his buddies a paycheck. Like, hey, let's go to uh, Africa for six (laughs) weeks and uh, you'll get some money out of it. I think that's what Dan Aykroyd was doing. Like, hey,
0: listen, you know, do you guys got anything going on? I have a script. Why not, right? (laughs) I think it's probably closer to like the Star Wars prequels where Dan Aykroyd's like, I got this great script. And the studio's (laughs) like, hey, here's some money. Because we trust you, because you've made classic comedies in the past. We trust you, and we're going to give you this amount of money, and we're probably not going to, you know, we're not going to butt our noses into it too much until, you know, we want to see a cut when you're ready, but, you know, go nuts. And he went nuts. Yes, he did. (laughs) There was no script editor. It was like, hey... Like a John Landis type, or a you know, that was
2: just like, hey, hey, maybe, maybe this doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, no, there was
3: no one there to say no.
2: Yeah, there was never a movie I was more angry, didn't have subtitles. Like that whole opening scene with the cigar from a person in my position was kind of incomprehensible because I couldn't really tell what Chevy Chase was saying sometimes.
0: Mm, Okay, um,
2: in there. But yeah, just, just some of the stuff from from Ackroyd's judge character, I couldn't really understand. So again, the fact that you guys didn't laugh or catch anything with that means I didn't miss anything.
0: Oh yeah, um, it's not funny at all. No. I can tell you yeah. one thing, if this is supposed to be in comedy, strike 36, this was terrible. There was no, nothing, nothing landed, nothing. No. Yeah. I, there, I, I checked out,
3: as soon as the big reveal of Ackroyd as the judge, I pretty much checked out of this movie like that's so stupid he looks awful he he acts way over the top Mm -hmm. and it it's not funny like he he does like a hula right he does like a little hula dance this guy's like geriatric there's no he he fought in world war one he says yeah there's zero chance that he's (laughs) he's doing anything other than being dead yeah this,
0: this, this what he should be
2: they, they allude to that he has some kind of anti-aging or whatever thing, and that's why the brothers look the way they do, and you know he looks the way he does. But they never really explored that as much as I could tell. But then again, I zoned out probably around the time when the band showed up. Digital um, Underground.
0: Yeah, uh, that was probably the best part of the movie. This <laughs> yeah. is the highlight of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tupac's
2: like,
3: core in there.
2: <laughs> I was decor. like, all right, it's pretty cool, and then. I don't remember anything really right before that or right after that.
3: Yeah, except for so, the whole season. guys and it's Shock G, right?
2: Yep, Shock G. G, rest in peace.
3: Humpty Hump. Humpty Hump, yeah. And what a weird, like, like a, sticking out like a sore thumb. <laughs> like,
0: yep. why is a rap group here? <laughs> and then why is a rap group here? Why do we spend five minutes so they can perform a song? There's an, a musical interlude in the middle of this movie yeah. that is like. 20 minutes away from being finished. <laughs> right. It's a good thing this movie doesn't have a plot. so.
1: <laughs>
3: right. like Yeah. Like you lift it out. It really makes no difference whatsoever. Yeah. But, and then you have old man, Ackroyd, like jamming out with them. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are we doing
0: here? And what this, is this? This whole movie feels like Dan Aykroyd's trying to be Joe Dante. He's trying oh, okay. to make the burbs. He's trying to make gremlins. That's yeah. basically what it feels like. Like, I don't know what he was going for. Like you know what would make this better? You take Dan, put De- Ackroyd in behind the camera, take him out of the movie entirely. Mm-hmm. Put Bruce Dern as the judge, and not oh. and just no no or, makeup, just as Bruce Dern himself,
2: or even or even Brian Doyle Murray.
0: Yeah, I mean judge. I think I think I think Bruce Dern has the same natural energy that the judge is providing in this movie. I think yeah, his natural yeah. Bruce Dern energy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, that's a pretty good pick. My, my
3: pick would be... Um, oh, I, I forget his name. He's Uncle Lewis in Christmas Vacation. William Hickey. William Hickey, yeah. That'd be hilarious. William Hickey
0: is the judge. I would love that. <laughs> William Hickey, eternally 83 years old. <laughs>
2: right, right. Yeah, And for some reason, a Baldwin shows up. Daniel Baldwin. Everyone's
3: yeah. favorite Baldwin. I, I was going to say, the mercifully they kill off a Baldwin within, like, the first two minutes of his arrival. And
0: that's that's my favorite part of the movie, to be honest. <laughs> so, Nothing But Trouble from 1991, directed by Dan Aykroyd, who may have done a couple of movies you've heard of, but he didn't direct any other movies you've heard of because this was his only directorial effort. Probably Luckily. smart. Yeah. Stars, Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, Valerie Bromfield, Taylor Negron, Bertilla Damas... Raymond J. Barry, Brian Doyle-Murray, John Wesley, Peter Aykroyd, and Daniel Baldwin. With special appearance by the Digital Underground. IMDb score, 5.2. Rotten Tomatoes score, 13%. Budget, $40 million. Box office, $8. $8. $8 million it made. Oh, man, that $40 million
2: was just half Chevy Chase's salary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Real quick,
3: before we we move on, I think it's kind of like a mortal sin to have this kind of cast and to just waste it so badly. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: John Candy. John Candy died three years later. Yeah. And uh, it's just like, this is one of, I I don't know how many movies he made between 91 and 93. I'm sure he made a few, but like, oh man, like it's too close to his death, you know, like that. (laughs) That's that's
0: too close. And that's kinda sad. Right. It was so close to his welcome to Mooseport, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys want to get in the plot? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Dan, what you got for us? All right. Just gonna give a quick shout out to our
3: friend Tia and her podcast, the top ten with Tia. So that's a weekly podcast where Tia and her co host, Britney, get together and they discuss top ten lists. So Go check them out. Go give them a follow. You can follow her at TC underscore Stark on Twitter. And she is also the head writer for Geek Vibes Nation, with whom we are affiliated with. So, again, go check her out. Give her a follow.
0: Okay, great. And we are going to take a break, and you are going to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast. So we will be right back. Hey, this is kind of Patawan Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast.
1: Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey,
0: sorts hey, of. Uh, Earl, why don't you tell them about that time I stole that big ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more. Or you epic. could tell them about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell them. Do about I need that to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone shut up. Now come with me. As I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance but brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. And now it's time to get into the plot for Nothing But Trouble. We open on shots of the New York City skyline as credits roll set to The Good Life by Ray Charles playing lots of shots of the World Trade Center. Just like to point that out. We settle upon a fancy New York apartment building as a doorman opens the door to a cab to let Chevy Chase out. Chase doing some sort of David Letterman thing with a huge cigar sticking out of his mouth. He's playing Chris Thorne, a financial advisor slash columnist that has his own financial periodical. So, an asshole, basically. I don't know why there's so much made about how he's not... A financial advisor he's a financial he's in financial publishing it's yeah. it's such a thing that's made such a big thing about it and it just falls so completely flat yeah, like the yeah, rest of this movie
2: he's not a banker
0: yeah but doesn't matter to dan Aykroyd anyway yeah chris apparently is having a party in his apartment even though he doesn't seem to want to be having this this party as he waits for an elevator, he comes across Diane Lightson, a neighbor with a couple of dogs, played by Demi Moore. Oh, she tries... has a name. I
2: didn't even realize that. She
0: does. <laughs> Diane. <laughs> he tries to start small talk with her, and she immediately starts to sob uncontrollably in the elevator. She notices a manila folder with someone's name on it and a reference to some sort of land deal. So she freaks out and grabs it and storms off the elevator, leaving him with her espresso maker. She goes to her apartment and tries to call up the firm behind the land deal. And we find out that she's not only the lawyer for the guy that's name was on the folder, but also possibly an ex. She can't get a hold of him, and he's in Atlantic City. So she goes down to Chris's apartment and talks to him about the guy on the folder, Howard Luntz. She asks him if he's going to meet over the land deal. He says he doesn't plan to, so she says let me borrow your car and drive down to Atlantic city. Again, they just met five minutes ago. Yeah.
2: But well, you know, it's New York. Things like this yeah. happen. And you guys were there, you know, you, you, you <laughs> exactly. drove random strangers cars while you're in New York all the time. Right. Yeah. Sure. I,
3: again, it, several good looking women would always approach me in Manhattan. I need to borrow your mode of transportation. <laughs> like, well, absolutely. Young lady.
2: Here's my bus pass. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I don't know if you've already mentioned them, but the they were brother sister? I thought they were husband wife. They're brother sister, yep. Okay. The I don't know where what joke we were missing. Well, we're missing a lot of jokes in this movie total. But the whole fact of them just jumping into conversations, I don't know what that was supposed to be like a reference to.
0: I think they're um, just yeah. being annoying. I think I think that's the joke. One of I think
3: one of the stereotypes is Brazilian people are clingy.
0: Is that what it is? I don't I, I don't, don't know. know.
1: I don't
3: know. <laughs> those Brazilians.
0: <laughs> so he reconsiders and says that maybe he'll go down there with her and he could drive her. Then a couple of Brazilian millionaires that they call Brazilianaires invite themselves on the trip too. and then Diane leaves and in the morning a hungover Chris goes into the parking lot. He tells his doorman to tell Diane that he's sick and he can't go on with her and he'll let her take the car. But then she steps off the elevator and both he and the doorman ogle her and he immediately changes his mind and decides to drive her down. Chevy Chase is 19 years older than her, by the way.
3: Yeah, and this was at the point where Chevy Chase was still bagging like smoking hot ladies when, you know, like realistically, I don't think at this point in his career, Chevy Chase was going to be was going to be getting that. We all know how much of a, a jerk he was. Yeah. So I think this was kind of written in to help him, like, oh yeah, like your ego. We're helping your
0: ego out here. Like of course you could get demi more. Who why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. I think he's almost fifty at this point too. Oh, wow, really? Jeez. I think he was born in nineteen forty two. Let me let me yeah. investigate.
2: Yeah. It, and the the whole point of this is at no point not that I was expecting it from this, but I don't see any reason outside of the very end or near the very end that she would want anything to do with him right? short of just needing his car. Mm-hmm. Like the falling in love part. Like there's never really a moment that that occurs outside of him saving her life.
3: She you know? all of a sudden, like she has this weird character arc where she's, you know, she's, she wants to drive down to Atlantic city to give this guy a piece of her mind. And then she gets like super horny
0: for Chevy chase out of nowhere. Yep. They don't share a connection. Nope, he it's, just he know, just slings platitudes at her about, uh you know, plenty of people fall for the wrong guy and a right guy is going to come along. And, you know, you're too good for him anyway, blah, blah, blah. And then she just makes out with him.
1: Yeah.
3: And that that's another thing. I got so tired so quickly of like the the quips from Chevy Chase, mm-hmm. his his little uh, smart antic remarks. Usually, I mean, that's his his uh, his shtick you know he he's very he's very fast with his remarks in his movies mm-hmm. and here i don't think it's his fault i think it's the writing yeah here his his comebacks are just really they're they're not they're not well written and they're they don't land yeah. a lot of yeah.
0: them are just like super mean spirited yeah i think there's a tone problem too i think overall this movie has a tone problem um, mm-hmm. and i think that's part of it that it leads into that of just and making these quips as they're like running for their lives in the junkyard as everything is collapsing it's like hilarious yeah this is perfect time to make that joke
2: yeah exactly um, it's yeah there, there's a lot of moments in this movie that would get that explanation
0: <laughs> so just as they're about to leave the garage the brazilians show up ready to go on the trip so then they're off On the beautiful New Jersey Turnpike, which looks like it hasn't changed in 30 years. The Brazilians announce that they plan a surprise picnic and they would like to stop somewhere a little more scenic than the New Jersey Turnpike. While Chris protests, Diane finds a magical road that crosses the Delaware into Pennsylvania and then crosses back without taking them out of their way too much, which might be the Northeast extension. I'm not sure. So they go off the New Jersey Turnpike and wind up in the Pennsylvania countryside. And they come into the village of Valkenvania. It's a rundown town with bikers and lower-income people sitting on their porch. This was actually the same set used for the film High Noon. Valkenvania was modeled after Centralia. A hint on the mine fire that's going on underneath. And while in town, Chris makes a turn without stopping at a stop sign, and it gets the attention of a local police cruiser who's in pursuit. As the cop pursues, Fausto, the Brazilian, goads Chris into not stopping, saying he's a provincial cop and that Chris could outrun him in his BMW. What Chris doesn't expect is the cop has a little extra power in the cruiser and is able to keep pace and also has the ability to create detours with a flick of a switch.
3: He's got the nitro.
0: Yeah. It's like, uh, is that Black Sheep? Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The nitro boosters. The nitro boosters and uh, Fast and Furious, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
2: the the early version of NASS.
3: The Nazz, yeah, just <laughs> flick the switch. That, that's the first thing I thought of. Was like Vin Diesel in <laughs> Nothing But Trouble.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, this whole thing felt like this whole chase sequence was just people in a room going, "All right, what kind of what kind of crazy things could he have that he could control with the car? No need to explain how he can control all these things. It's just old style dials. You say, ah, oh, magic. It's like you the know?
0: Batmobile. By pe- by people in a, in a room, you mean Dan Aykroyd talking to himself. Right? <laughs> and Peter
2: Aykroyd, apparently, right? That's his
0: brother.
2: Yeah. His you, brother's got a story by credit.
0: Yeah. What was the movie
3: with Hulk Hogan? No, no Holds Barred, right? Yeah. Mm. With him and Vince McMahon just holed up in a, a hotel room doing t- a, mountain hours. Of, a mountain of cocaine. Yeah. Do yeah. you think Dan Aykroyd and his brother just did something similar? <laughs> the Crystal Skull Vodka. <laughs> You're right. Just getting fucking blitzed,
0: <laughs> and then I dress up as an old man with no nose on. No, oh, yeah. it's hilarious. I mean, if Chevy was in that room, you know there'd be coke. Oh, the, yeah, copious oh, yeah.
2: amounts, yeah, just for Chevy. Right, get your own <laughs> cocaine. All those drugs in that one scene with the Baldwin is all just Chevy's drugs. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was the prop department that day i okay,
0: got coke in the car
3: yeah don't worry i got you guys Th- that scene oh that scene drove me nuts because he keeps mentioning poppers and weezers and pills and he just keeps saying it over and over again like oh my grinders. God. grinders yes yeah. uh,
0: isn't that a sandwich a grinder
3: yeah
0: <laughs> i think he means like i was picturing like something you would grind like marijuana down to, to uh-huh. smoke to, to put into something in smoke Allegedly. I, we, we have no idea. Yeah, I mean, list. do they do that? Are there things for grinding down marijuana into <laughs> finery? Yeah. Guys, guys,
3: it's legal where we are. It's true. It's, it's okay me. to do this. Oh, not, not for, you, Mark. Not <laughs> Mark. You're on the wrong side of the line, my friend.
0: Yeah. This also, this pursuit means absolutely nothing. This nope. high-speed chase means nothing. Because John Candy doesn't even bring it to the attention of the, of the judge. That's right. He drops it. Yeah which Good i guy, understand i guess because john candy is supposed to he he's like not really in with the whole judge's uh dealings he kind of yeah. doesn't really seem to like it which is weird in terms of his arc yeah like you think he'd come back and rescue them no and have, he doesn't or just like put a bow on that kind of arc it was like where he's like fighting with the judge like you really didn't have to do that they're just there for for blowing a stop sign you could just let them go and then and then he just leaves so and, and then you're, that brings up
3: a good question why if if you if you realize you don't like what's happening
0: why bring them in at all right yeah that's a good question yeah, he just, knows it's a kind of a trumped up charge what he ran a stop sign all right write him a ticket right yeah just let him go
2: yeah, or maybe I, he has to do that. He makes reference to you know doing his job well or whatever. I guess that
0: that's the I guess that's the his arc is that he's like a straight laced cop. But still, I don't it it seems half assed in terms of the yeah the him defying the judge and not agreeing with his uh, his motives and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, right. I hate I just hate the overall arc of it being the judge hates bankers.
0: Yeah. Because
3: he he brings in other people who are not bankers. sir so, Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, Jimmy Hoffa is not a banker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a cute nod to the, the the great mystery of where Jimmy Hoffa is. I get that, but it spits in the not spits, but it, it flies in the face of your the judge has it out for bankers. Right.
0: He. He has it out for everybody except for uh, Digital Underground. (laughs) (laughs) The only evidence of anybody ever getting out of that house alive. Right. Which I thought was kind of progressive. I was like, I don't know. Are they going to kill the group of
3: black people here? I don't know. I don't know how this is going to (laughs) look. And I, I, for a minute, I thought he was just like, oh, they're black. I'm going to kill them. I, for a minute, I thought they were going
0: to do that. Like, oh, oh, okay. This is going to turn out okay. Awkward, but okay. I wonder, like, I would love to know the moment where Dan Aykroyd became aware of Digital Underground. (laughs) It just doesn't fit his kind of persona. Not at all. You could kind of tell Chevy Chase is also kind of, he's sitting there like, what? I don't know what this is. This music frightens me. Yeah, he looks like he was he was happy to try and sexually harass the the girls with them. Right. Yeah. The minute I'm out of these handcuffs, I'm groping you.
2: That was <laughs> something I'm used to doing. Right. <laughs> and and oh, you I know, like... to
3: be to be fair,
0: those women in Digital Underground were quite fine. They were. Yeah. Yep. They were tens. They were tens. Yeah. And they were like 20 years old. So Chevy Chase at 48 at the time of filming this was was quite happy with that yeah oh yeah that was the best day of shooting he said yeah so they wind up on some sort of service access road with a bunch of dump trucks they try to pass some trucks and wind up nearly missing some oncoming traffic eventually they come upon another cruiser positioned in a roadblock with another officer pointing a machine gun right at them and are forced to stop cop is played by john candy and asks him to step out of the car so after a pat down the officer tells Chris that he initially pursued him because he failed to stop at a stop sign and he will overlook the other charges, including speeding, if he cooperates and follows him to the courthouse. Follow him to the courthouse in what appears to be some sort of private junkyard. Grounds are filled with junk, abandoned metal, among a bunch of different things. Um, they finally make it to the courthouse and go inside, and the inside is even more chaotic. There's a whole bunch of shit just all <laughs> over the place. Like I said, the it seems like the production designer had a Fun time making this movie, but nobody else did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the rat party was probably like the one person that was so excited. Like this was a great <laughs> time, guys. Everybody else was just sad. <laughs> so this at is least, gonna further my career so much. At least the check cleared.
3: <laughs> you, the, the The courthouse and the surrounding area sort of reminds
0: me of a House of a Thousand Corpses, uh, Texas Chainsaw feel. This movie is very Texas Chainsaw Massacery.
3: Yeah. yeah you know what before you mentioned horror comedy, I just thought this is straight up comedy. I didn't realize that, yeah, they're trying to go for a little bit of a horror take yeah yeah that that's how
0: bad this movie is it like it doesn't <laughs> convey what it's really trying to go for, yeah I'm just trying to th- I was looking for real quick at uh, Chevy Chase's career around this point w- was he kind of like on the downward slope uh he was two years after Christmas vacation,
3: okay. Yeah, Christmas Vacation was late 80s, right? 89, 90? Yeah, 89. 89. Yeah. So Memoirs yeah. of Invisible Man came out the next year. Probably not great. No. I've never heard of that movie. Yeah, I I don't know. I just, I think, to me, Chase kind of phoned it in in this one. Mm-hmm. Like, Aykroyd is is giving it his best. Demi's giving it her best. Or, you know, like, she's trying. Aykroyd's yeah. really trying. And and Chevy's just kind of running through the motions. Yeah. Yeah yeah he's like oh i get to kiss demi moore awesome sign me right. up <laughs> right well I, at this point i don't think demi moore was how we think of demi moore now it was well, like, no, it she came off for of the brat pack man so what was it she started in was she in 16 candles or no
2: yeah st elmo's fire Saint Elmo's fire
3: that's what it was so okay yeah so she had a few films under her belt then okay i mean her big one was ghost it was before ghost. this Right, but it she was wasn't like in, in Ghost. She wasn't sexy, was she? I mean, she's a, she's a grieving, a, a grieving woman. That's not. I mean, there's the whole pottery scene. Sure, but
0: that's that's the one scene, and it's really super corny. Uh, I mean, I'm not Ghost's that prime demographic, but I'm assuming that some women were jilling <laughs> off in the theaters to that scene. <laughs> well, that's more Patrick Swayze. Well, sure. Yeah, we I
3: mean, you guys. Right. <laughs> right we're just red-blooded americans over here yeah I, I don't know i did i didn't think demi moore had reached that level of
0: of sex icon yet you know i mean this was pre-indecent proposal and disclosure sure yeah but there was ghost we're no angels the seventh sign wisdom one about crazy Summit. about last night same Elmo's fire blame it on rio
2: blame it on rio that was the other one i was trying to think of
0: I've never seen those
3: movies so I'm not sure I'm not sure what her her sex appeal in those movies war, was.
0: This is before she's fucking old older men. So maybe yeah. she would like in in De- indecent proposal and disclosure specifically.
3: Well, indecent yeah. yes. she... proposal is with Robert Redford.
0: Yeah. I mean that's, that's like Robert Redford too. Sure.
3: Yeah. I mean yeah.
2: for I mean, millions, right? He's aged perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, this was the movie. This was the year right before she had the three straight breakouts okay. with a few good men and decent proposal and disclosure. Yeah. You know, back to back to back, then the Scarlet Letter, and then she becomes Demi Moore from there. You know, <laughs>
3: she strips
2: to Demi Moore. You know, at Striptease. that point
3: she's married to Bruce Willis, right? Yeah, yeah. GI yeah. Jane. Oh, GI yeah. Jane. Okay, so again, she's she's good mm-hmm. in this. But I didn't, I think this, to me, it was kind of like, oh, this is where she's starting to really blossom as, like we were saying, Moore. Yeah. She's lucky
0: she had a career after this.
3: Yeah, that's (laughs) a good point,
0: because this was a movie that should have killed some careers. Yeah. Yeah, It killed Dan Aykroyd's uh, directing career, that's for sure. Nothing really lost there. (laughs) So the house looks like an old house, but there's also a courtroom in it. John Candy calls upon the Justice of the Peace, Judge Valkenheiser and some fanfare plays as the judge pops up in some sort of automated chair from below the floor. The judge presides, looks over the IDs, and while Diane tries to flatter the judge, Chris acts like a dick, but then randomly tries to light up a cigar in the middle of the proceedings for no reason. So the judge decides they need to be held on to for a while until the next afternoon. They fall through a trapdoor and land on a pile of stuffed animals, I guess yeah i don't know it's like beanie babies almost i don't know and down in the weird holding cell they all fight and diane punches chris right in the face as we all wanted to do once (laughs) in our life is to punch chevy chase
2: yes
0: (laughs) Me, if i had a genie ad that would be one of my wishes
3: i want to punch chevy chase (laughs) just once well all right so chevy chase now or uh chevy chase like in you know the 90s.
0: I'll I'll say if I could punch if I have the option to punch uh, nothing but trouble era Chevy Chase that'll okay. be yeah. yeah I don't, don't want to take the up in get. arms on me punching out an octogenarian <laughs> right yeah I don't <laughs> want to punch old man Chase here you know just possibly kill him. <laughs> I mean but though he does kind of deserve it as Pierce in Community. Oh that's a good point that's a good point but still. I don't know. Something, that, something about
3: punching an old man just doesn't <laughs> doesn't sit well with me. You, you like punching younger people, and that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I'll I punch children. To. I'm yeah. okay with it. Yeah. Right, <laughs> that's <laughs> your thing, and you know what? We're not here to judge. I just I just don't
0: want to punch an old man. Well, these are the rules that you've decided to live your life by. <laughs> I'll never know the joy of punching a young person. <laughs> Meanwhile, the officer, Dennis, and the judge argue over the treatment of the four of them. Later, a bunch of drunks speed down the highway and wind up getting pulled over by Dennis. They get brought before by the judge, and he confiscates their drugs. Meanwhile, they're besides themselves laughing at everything the judge say- says, including when he mentions that he's going to put them to death. So he activates a conveyor belt, which drags the drunks and their girls outside into a roller coaster called the Bone Stripper, which does exactly that. Uh, One of these drunks also being played by Daniel Baldwin. Everyone's favorite Baldwin. The roller coaster leads to some sort of meat grinder, which then spits out the bones at the other end. Meanwhile, the female cop comes to the holding cell to bring Chris, Diane, and the other two up for supper. They sit at a long table in a shockingly nice dining room. The judge comes down in his chair, suspended from the ceiling, and he passes around a can of Hawaiian Punch for all of them to drink, and then ants on the log, too, as an appetizer. And then John Candy and drag comes down and the judge introduces her as his granddaughter, Eldona and Dennis is her brother. So I guess I missed that. That Dennis was related to the judge, but I, so I suppose it makes sense. The judge says she's a hell of a mechanic.
2: I made the connection. Maybe it was later than this. Maybe I zoned out and missed it. But when he said that he's been working for the judge since he was eight years old, Mm -hmm. um, at one point I was like, well, this is either a child labor situation or they're all the same family. here.
0: Gotcha. I think I missed that part. And they all joke about how Chris and her and Eldana will would become a perfect couple. And then Eldana goes to prepare the meal. Chris mentions how the judge has a lot of steel on his property and he should sell it to the Japanese to make Toyotas. And the judge flips out about the suggestion and he talks about back during World War I, a banker conned his grandfather into parsing out the land to strip the property of coal in exchange for stocks that wound up being worthless and basically caused that mine fire that is still burning to this day. And then dinner is served. Grotesque gray-looking quote-unquote hot dogs which is the bone stripper making these hot dogs they're, the cannibalism possibility was never brought up in this movie i'm pretty sure yeah i, I would, I would be, but
3: pretty... i would go out on a limb and say that that's a possibility sure right that's daniel baldwin they're all about to chow down on
0: <laughs> yeah that, that makes me feel better <laughs> and there's also a model train on the table that passes around the condiments And the judge eats while everyone else just watches. There's one thing about thing I hate when movies are just trying to be gross. Mm -hmm. Like when people just eat and they're very greasy when they eat, you know, it just gets all over. Yeah, like the like the the mustard's all over
3: them and like stuff squirting out.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, it's not a it's not. I get what they're going for, right? They're, They're going for the gross out factor, but it's. It's not really, I don't know, it it adds nothing to the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, we know these characters are gross. We can see that. they're, They're pretty much inbred. So,
0: yeah, I don't really need to know that they also eat disgustingly. And then the ground shakes, and the judge mentions that it's an underground mine fire that's been burning for decades. Eventually, Fausto flips out and decides it's time for him and his sister to leave. So the female cop holds an Uzi to them, so they decide to jump out the window and run away. Cops chase after them, and Chris and Diane try to make their own escape, but the judge manages to bar the door, and Aldana grabs them both by the neck and locks them in a bedroom. Fausto and his sister have to wade through a disgusting moat as the female cop chases after them with some dogs. As they get to the other side of the moat, Dennis is there with a gun to retrieve them, but after some discussion and some bribery, he decides that he's going to help them get out of there. And in the bedroom, Chris talks to Diane about how she shouldn't worry about picking the wrong guy because it happens to everyone and she'll find the right guy eventually and she's too good for that guy. So then she makes out with him until she decides that she can't because he is nothing but trouble. And that's Uh, the name of the movie.
2: Hey, they did it. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe we've driven this into the ground, but the sheer fact that Chevy Chase delivers these lines and still sounds extremely creepy when he's probably not supposed to be that way
0: sure yeah again he's almost 50 in this movie
2: yeah
0: there's nothing sincere about him in this movie really yeah i don't think there's been anything ever sincere from him right um there is sincerity in the vacation movies
3: yeah like maybe early on in his career there was some sincerity but he got too big and all that really kind of flew out the window yeah
0: like, he's still doing his character from Caddyshack, really. Sure. I think that's a,
3: a good comparison.
0: As they sleep, Chris spoons Diane, uh, which someone watches from the other side of a portrait, so they set off a contraption that spins the bed really fast, and then the bedroom door opens up, and Chris and Diane try to manage an escape. They walk out into the hallway and find a series of ridiculous rooms, including a room full of dolls, a room full of bats, and then a headstone. And then the wall starts closing in on them and nearly crushes them to death. Before can, Chris manages to break open the last door and pull Diane inside. They find a stairway that leads to an attic. As they stumble inside, a safe rolls down a track and blocks the door they came in. As they inspect the room, they see the walls covered in a century's worth of newspaper clippings about missing persons, each in an ID to go with them. So basically, they're killing all these people, including Jimmy Hoffa, an ex-Nazi scientist, and a bunch of bankers. And someone flips a switch and a doorway opens to reveal a slide. We never actually get to find out officially who is doing all this, right?
2: I'm, I'm th- assuming it's the the granddaughter. Right. I
0: I think it's John Candy. So here's the this is what I can't figure out is why they're doing it, what the motivation is. Because it could be either. of If it's to get them crushed by that wall, then it's probably Eldana, right? Yeah, but if it's someone that's actually trying to help them, then it's John Candy. But I yeah. can't tell what they're trying to accomplish with with these switches.
3: That's a good point. For some reason, I thought it was John Candy trying to help them escape, but they yeah. never really
0: escape.
2: Yeah, and, and I never... thought it was Eldana because she caught them in bed together, so she got jealous. Right.
0: Yep. Oh, that's, so that's a good motivation. One. But the hand that's that's working it has like a blue sleeve that that looks like a cop's uniform. And I, th- I think you
3: hear John Candy's like voiceover, like "Good luck, Slick." Yeah, that's what. Yep. I, and then I was like, "Oh, you it's John Candy." So I, I don't know, it, but it could go either way.
0: Mm-hmm. Because this movie once sucks. Ag- once again, because he doesn't come back to help them at the end. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Wait, where does he go? He goes down to Brazil. Oh, he he does. Yeah. Oh, so he just fucks off and leaves. Yeah, he leaves with <laughs> Fausto and his sister. He he winds up fucking Fausto's sister. She calls him her lover, oh, and he becomes like their head of security. I didn't know that. Did I miss that? I must you have not watched the rest yeah. of the movie. No, I I saw the entire thing. I thought you must have not. I... It's like the very end. It's like one of the one of the three endings. Oh no!
3: I stopped yeah. as soon as Chevy Chase did that outlandishly
0: cartoonish uh,
3: running through the wall. Well, that's the end. Yes. And I then think I shut it off.
0: happens in between when they get on the train and when they get to the cops. I think there's a scene in between there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. God, it, that ending.
3: And that's just another, like, that's a super phoned in ending. Yep. With, with Chevy Chase saying, no, you won't. Like, oh, that's what you ended on? With him saying, no, you won't. It's yeah. not funny. It was a great ADR line. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. 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 <laughs> god damn it this movie god damn it (laughs) i desperately want to try to like say something funny about this and it's just there's just nothing
0: yeah so someone flips a switch and doorway opens to reveal a slide so they go down it and wind up getting split up diane goes down one slide while chris goes down another Diane falls down into, a dirt, into the dirt outside, while Chris gets stuck in the slide and winds up behind the wall to the judge's room, which you can see in and watches as the judge gets ready for bed, including taking off his hair and his nose, which is a it's, penis. It, yes, I, I did forget to put that in my notes. There's like one, there's several shots where his nose is obviously a penis, but it's not always though, which is also weird. So now, now wait a minute. It's made of a penis, or it just looks like a penis? Well, I mean, you'll have to ask Dan, a- Dan Aykroyd, but it looks like a penis. Okay. Wow. That's so dumb. Yeah. So Diane winds up in some sort of junkyard. She finds the BMW, which has been stripped. She tries to call 911 on the sat phone, but the sat- 911 doesn't work on the sat phone. Then she hears voices coming from a part of the junkyard and goes to investigate, and she comes across giant diaper babies. Two mutated-looking, almost Bratwurst-looking man babies wearing only diapers and the intelligence of developmentally challenged t- toddlers, and they're just fucking sweaty. It's like Tweedledum, essentially, right? Yeah. Yep. Ah, oh, God. Another thing that really doesn't need to be in this movie. Nope. She catches their attention. They chase after her, but Aldana grabs her and sets to throw her into a fire. But these diaper monsters convince Eldana to leave Diane with them so they can play with her. And then Diane faints. It would have been cool if they threw her in the fire. <laughs>
3: that,
2: would, yeah.
3: that would have been ballsy. Yeah. Someone needed to die other than Daniel Baldwin.
2: <laughs> and he definitely needed to die. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 It's a foregone
0: conclusion. <laughs> that deserved to happen, but yeah.
3: I wonder if Daniel Baldwin, like was Daniel Baldwin like other than having the last name, obviously, I wonder if he had been in anything semi noteworthy. And tried to convince Dan Aykroyd to not kill off his character. Like I think there was potential here, Dan. Like, yeah. No, no, you're 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 dying. There's I'm not. I will hear nothing but you dying <laughs> in this movie. I'm writing this specifically so you die with you in mind. You're perfect for this role.
0: Yeah. Uh, he wasn't born on the Fourth of July at this point. That's Tom Cruise, right? And as Vet Number One. Oh, okay. So oh, there you go. I mean, that's a that's
3: a pretty big movie i'd say yeah I and mean, again yeah, just the, the pedigree obviously yeah. lends itself but uh yeah I'm, you know i think there needed to be a higher body count other than daniel baldwin sure
0: as the judge sleeps the female cop jumps on the radio to announce she's bringing in a couple of speeders to see the judge and for some reason it's the digital underground <laughs> in a hearse no less The judge goes down to preside over the court in his automated chair, and Chris stumbles out of the hole in the wall of the judge's bedroom. He searches for the the room for a weapon and fails to see the judge come back up, and they have a fight. The judge pulls a blade on Chris, and Chris only has some bones to protect them. They stumble around the room for a while, stepping in bedpans and knocking things over until Chris is able to get to the door and run out. But he runs right into Aldana and she grapples him. And the judge says that running into Aldana counts as making advances on her. And that means house policy is that they now have to get married. So Aldana picks up Chris and carries him off. then the judge goes back down to the courtroom to preside over the Digital Underground's trial... They're speeding. The judge looks over the IDs and finds out they're musicians, so he orders them to bring in their music instruments and, for inspection. Meanwhile, Eldana has Chris chained on a chair in her room and she dresses behind a screen. And then the female cop orders him out, saying that Eldana can't uh, see Chris before the wedding. Diane is still in the junkyard in a cage playing cards with the diaper babies.
3: You know what? I was just thinking.
0: So Eldana, you know, uh, John Candy in drag as Eldana.
3: Doesn't say a word in this movie. Don't you think it would have been funnier if he, as Eldana, sounds exactly like John Candy, the cop? Sure. Like like he doesn't try to go for a feminine voice. It's just literally John Candy as in in drag. Sure. I just think that would have been funnier. I I don't know why that popped in my head just now, but like (laughs) just like when he's changing behind like the the um the screen the screen. When, when he's getting dressed behind there, like just thinking of John Candy saying, like, what do you think of this? And like, <laughs> oh, like, 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 I know you're getting anxious, lover boy, or something like that. It would have been so much funnier than just him going, hmm, hmm. Right.
0: That's the only noise he makes as Eldana. Just weird. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Digital Underground the same song in the courtroom while the judge accompanies on the organ. This is Tupac's feature film debut, by the way. Yeah. After the performance, the judge waves all the charges facing the Digital Underground, but he says that he might need their help with some more proceedings. The judge takes Chris aside, talks about how he wants him to marry his granddaughter, even though it seems like this is going to happen regardless. I don't know why they have to have this conversation. And then the wedding starts with the Digital Underground performing the wedding march and acting as witnesses too, I suppose. And then Eldana and Chris Bolt say, I do. Chris says, it I do at gunpoint. And then Digital Underground makes a break for it, goes to leave before the judge changes his mind, and then Chris tries to leave with them. And the judge gets pissed off at his attitude and tells him he's not family material, so then sends him down to the Bone Stripper. As he begs for his life on the Bone Stripper, as he's almost stripped from his bones, the Bone Stripper breaks down, and he winds up going out the chute in one piece. You gotta say Bone Stripper more often, I think. (laughs) Bone (laughs) Stripper. I think this is the last time for the Bone Stripper. Sorry. And he runs off. Meanwhile, we see Dennis, who has disappeared for the last half of this film, packing a bag. And then we cut back to the junkyard where Aldana is preparing a three-bladed guillotine. They're prepared to put Diane on this. But the judge decides to give Diane a chance, so he goes on the police radio to call out for Chris. If he comes down and takes Diane's place, he'll spare Diane's life. So while the judge counts down to get Chris to come out, Chris finds a barrel of gas, which he lights with his jacket used as a fuse, and rolls it into a bunch of other ones, and then they all explode. Causing the diaper babies to, and Aldana and the judge to run for cover. This gives Chris a chance to rescue Diane, and he puts her out of the way of the blades, just as the blades fall down when they were before. And then they make a break for it. They get chased as they head for the train. They manage to jump on the train at the last minute, even with the female cops shooting at them as they do
2: so. Yeah, she's not a very good shot.
0: No, she doesn't hit, she shoots off a lot of rounds in this movie, and she doesn't hit a damn thing. So this is the scene where we get, we see in fabulous Brazil or something, the Fausto and his sister have now hired Dennis as their head of security. Meanwhile, Chris and Diane go to the cops and the cops tell them they need to go back and give proper ID of the judge. So they go back to the house with the state attorney general, the National Guard, and a whole shitload of cops. And the cops call out the judge to issue the warrant. He doesn't come out, so Chris and Diane get out, go up to knock on the door they seem really f- much too involved in this in this process. And when he comes out uh, to the door, he pretends he doesn't know who they are, but all the cops know the judge, and they're all real friendly, like. So the attorney general basically says that they they like to they like the judge's way of doing things, but they can't admit to it. So they're threatened by Chris and Diane knowing all this, so they need to do something about it. And just then, the mind fire erupts, and the house starts to collapse.
2: Hey, hey cap. <clears throat>
3: Yeah. Uh, and, and I was thinking to myself, there's there are some cops there and I know for a fact some of them would not play along with that. There's basically what I'm saying is like the, there's like the black cops are there. Like we're not playing along with this like weird inbred shit. Like the, That's all
0: you guys. We're it not is, touching that. It is weird that the state attorney general is in on it. Yeah. Like, why would they be in on it? It makes no sense. That's like weird, creepy shit. Yeah. They wouldn't have fallen for that. Like if it was like localized, like they went wound up at the local police station, I yeah. could see it cuz they're yeah. all probably related. But yeah, now that you're getting like elected officials involved on a state level, it's like, okay, this is a little unbelievable. Right. There are giant diaper babies in this movie. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I I that
0: giant diaper baby sounds like
3: such a weird euphemism.
0: <laughs> Great band name
3: though. Yes, that's that's our D&D
0: name. <laughs> Giant diaper babies. <laughs> so everyone runs for it, and Chris finds his BMW, which he's able to start because he knows there's a fuel shut-off switch that is part of the security system. They drive back to New York with a half-stripped BMW as the house collapses. Back in his apartment, Chris awakens from a nightmare that he was having while taking a nap, and Diane is there to assure him that he's okay. Oh, the, so this is like second ending, basically. This is Lord of the Rings, basically. So they, (laughs) I guess it's almost three, right? The first is when they first leave the house. Yeah. And then the second one is when they come back to the house. Yeah. And then the third one is now in in New York, right? So he wakes up from a a nightmare and she assures him that it's all okay. And she's going to go take a shower. So he decides to watch TV and catches a news report of the mine fire. And the news interviews the judge and says he's going to move in with his new grandson-in-law in New York City. So Chris runs through the wall like Wiley e. Coyote. It might be my least favorite ending I've ever seen in a movie. Yep, and that's the last image we see of this movie. That's the end of Nothing but Trouble. Yeah. What a piece of shit! <laughs> it's a really
2: bad movie. <laughs> yeah,
3: again, we gotta, we have to talk to our friend and just like let him know that, you know, don't uh, recommend movies anymore, man. <laughs> Thanks for ruining our week. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. Obviously, the whole point of this podcast is to review bad movies. Yeah. We try to have fun with them. <laughs> like we don't we don't purposely try to torture ourselves. You know. Right. Like sometimes it's it's unavoidable because we might find a movie like, oh, this looks like fun, and it just turns out to be a, a big slog fest. But this one, oh man, like we were told it was bad, mm-hmm. and it's bad.
2: Yeah, it's, we didn't know how bad.
3: Right. We should have there should be a warning on this movie, like like a surgeon general. Hey, proceed at your own caution, man, because this there. movie is a piece of shit.
2: There's a warning. It says
3: directed by Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, Dan Aykroyd's a funny guy. And it's a good cast. It's a very good cast. John Candy's hilarious. Not in this. No. Chevy Chase is funny. As much as he's an asshole, he has been funny. Sure. Yeah. I
0: mean, you can't you can't hold it against him that he's a huge asshole. Well, you can. You can. But that yeah. That mean he, <laughs> like, but you gotta begrudgingly also say, okay, he has been funny. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. You gotta give the,
3: you know, we gotta give him his due. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Wow. Just like he's not trying in it. Aykroyd's over trying. Demi Moore's doing her her best. The Brazilian brother and sister are just they might as well have just been speaking Portuguese. Because I couldn't understand a word they were saying. I didn't care what they were saying. I hated them. I hated the diaper babies. <laughs> I hated this movie. I hate everything.
0: Yeah. It's so weird that they escaped too, right? Yeah. The, the like, Shouldn't they have died somehow? Yeah. They, sh- they should have been ran down by the dogs. Or they come back with the National Guard. But, I mean, I
3: guess because of their characteristics, they're, uh, they're very selfish. selfish. Yeah. Yeah. So alright, I get them not coming back, but they definitely should have died. Right. Like
0: you set it up for them to die. Yeah. But like if they come back with the National Guard, you could play into the part where they mention that they have diplomatic immunity. Right. I remember you that. Know? Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Just is it, that's a wasted opportunity, I think, right? Yeah.
3: I think this whole movie's always up Well, it's a waste of talent for sure, yeah. as you know, been saying. It's just God damn man.
1: Yeah. Again,
3: I didn't laugh. I didn't even smile. Nope. I feel like I really could have. I probably smiled more like Schindler's List. Or at least yeah. there was like the, there's a couple points in Schindler's List where like, oh man, there's like some humanity there. It makes me smile. This is nothing. Yep. No humanity in this
0: movie. No. This, nope. It's just abandon all hope, ye who watch this movie. All right. That's all I have to say about this piece of shit movie. You guys want to plug your shit? Mark, I don't. Did you have anything left to say? I don't. I don't know if I. <laughs> nope,
1: oh,
3: nope. It's, it's been summed up. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, my personal Twitter at daquina 122 uh, I also uh, tweet from Stranger Damies our real play D and D podcast. So uh, if you're looking for where to uh, listen or where we stream, just check out that uh, that Twitter account, and you'll get all the info there. And uh, yeah, that's that's it for me.
2: So um, as you mentioned, our our D&D podcast, Stranger Damies, there's episodes every other Wednesday. Uh, Most importantly, we've switched to basically streaming, which is the main way people have been uh, uh, catching us. So we do stream a full session um, about two to three hours um, every other Friday um, at 8 p.m. So be sure to check that out. Um, And then you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Stranger Damies. Um, And then uh, the streaming all takes place on twitch.tv slash game vault pod. And the game vault podcast is our gaming podcast that airs every other Monday. Um, As Ant said, um, he will be a guest on one coming up. So be sure to check that out. Um, You can follow that at game vault pod on all social medias. And um, yeah, we also stream about five days a week. Um, Every Wednesday is uh, apex after dark um thursday is my uh paper mario streams um uh, friday is stranger damies every other week um saturday uh jen does something whether it's dead by daylight or monster hunter rise uh dan is on sunday with dan of the wild and then tom picks up on mondays with uh retro streams um either a retro roulette or a game that he has been playing and um and dan sometimes chips in on thursday before i go um to play some more dan of the wild so Just variety. Um, If you like something, um, you'll probably be able to find it on our channel. So that's, once again, twitch.tv slash GameballPod. And
0: that's going to wrap us up. We are They Called Smoothie. You can find us on Spreaker just by searching They Called Smoothie. And that feeds into all your favorite podcast streaming apps. So that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for They Called this Movie, and we will pop right up. We are the MainDamey.com main website where you can find all our shows, articles, and whatever the fuck else we post. <laughs> and it's also our socials. That's uh, the MainDamey is our socials for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. However, we now have a TikTok where you can yeah. find us. At specifically, they called this a movie. So search for they called this movie on TikTok, it'll pop right up. We just started, but we would love your follows on there. And we are also a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com and on all socials and all podcast streaming apps, just by searching Geek Vibes Nation. Bunch of great shows, not just us. Bunch of shows that are. Geared towards geeks, so if you're into geek stuff, surely you are going to find a show for you. That's going to wrap it up. The director of Nothing But Trouble is Dan Aykroyd. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony DelVecchio telling Dan Aquino, Dan, <laughs> telling, telling, telling Dan Aykroyd. Well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you?